heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, hello there, Grill Junkies. Welcome back to the Grill Junkies podcast for another episode on something relevant to growth and development. We are here to kick your heinies. <laughs> in okay. a good way, right? <laughs> or get our heinies kicked. Well, we get our heinies kicked every time we do this. We say it in such a PC manner or just like very kind. Yeah. Heine kicking. Heine kicking. Everybody <laughs> needs a good heine kicking once in a while. So we talk about the stuff that kicks our heinies. This could be some of that today. Yeah, because today's subject, which I think all of the growth junkies out there will appreciate, mm. is the subject called guilt, 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 guilt. <laughs> you got to keep going to where it like echoes. Yeah. Guilt, 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 guilt. guilt. The guilt. The scary we, thing of guilt. Oh, the big bad monster of guilt. Oh. And the reason we're doing this is we've been kind of doing a series on fear, shame, and guilt. Yes. They kind of go together. We, we feel like these are really the big ep- epidemics of the world. Mm. When you kind of go underneath everything that we're dealing mm. with, chances are all the stuff we struggle with come back to one of those three things. Yeah, Fear, and, shame, or guilt. Right, and interpersonally with ourselves and how we interact with the world around us and with others, there's this revolving, these revolving three things yeah. that we collide and, and sometimes they bounce off one another. But how do you know what they are? And that's part of what we try to accomplish with the podcast is when we bring a word, we want to bring language to that. What are right. we actually talking about yeah. when we say guilt? What does that mean? And then how is it functioning in our life? And, and what do we do about it? Right, Ken? Yeah. And, and one of the things we want to do, like we've been doing with fear and shame, is we want to talk a little bit today about what's good about guilt. Because guilt has a real negative connotation, right? <laughs> you sort of get this image of, you know, maybe your mama you know, doing some sort of guilt trip or maybe a family member or a friend guilting you into something. And so we hear the word guilt. We think manipulation, making you feel bad. But here's the thing about guilt. There is something good about it. Now, there are better words for it. Like I prefer to the word guilt. I prefer conscience. Oh, I was going to say, like, uh, what, what other words are we talking about? Well, like, you know, <laughs> we can call it conscience yeah. or conviction. Mm-hmm. And there is a nuance here between guilt and conscience or conviction. Mm. Some would say guilt is, it comes primarily from outside, from other people imposed on us. Mm. Um, I'm going to make you feel guilty for this. Yeah. Like maybe they're not saying it, but the way they treat you and try right. to conduct the, the scenario, the situation, they want to make you feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's dealt with that, right? Everyone's had that experience, you know? And and so we've we've been made to feel guilty, whereas conscience or conviction is more what comes from within. Mm-hmm. So if it comes from within and, and, you know, for those that call themselves Christians and, you know, read the Bible, talks about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit convicts. So that would come from within as well. So on one hand, it seems like guilt is bad, Conscience and conviction is good, mm. but we're going to challenge that a little bit today because yeah. guilt is actually something that serves a purpose. Yeah. Guilt isn't all bad. It has a negative reputation. And I will say this, it, it's not very motivating. <laughs> I, I haven't met anybody who said, you know what? I'm really inspired by guilt. Mm. Maybe not inspired by it. 
But I think guilt can light some fire under your pants sometimes. Well, here's the thing about guilt. I think guilt um, is good at at getting compliance, but oh, it's sure. not good at getting buy-in. Yeah. Different. Very true. Compliance is about basically forcing people to do what you want them to do. Mm. And guilt is sort of a, a weapon we can use to manipulate people to do what we want. That's one way to use it. Well, you just said that. And that does those two words oftentimes go in the same sentence together. Guilt and manipulation. You'll hear right. people say maybe about another person like, oh, that person really uses guilt and manipulation to yeah. control a room or yeah. run an organization or something like that. Yeah, You'll and, see those two words show up. And guilt can be used to get what you want. Yeah. So you could use it to force people's hands, you know, to get them to act or to not act, to make them feel bad about something. Mm -hmm. So th there's one way to get compliance. Guilt is effective, let's say that, to secure compliance. Yeah, and in case you're wondering, Growth junkies don't do this kinds of thing, right? No, nope. they, they're not good at doing it. They're not good at receiving it. <laughs> well, we hope we're not good at doing it, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> let's just be clear about this. Guilt is not a very effective tool generally because, again, it secures compliance. Mm -hmm. It does not promote buy-in. In other words, someone might do something because you guilt them to do it mm -hmm. once or maybe if you're really lucky twice, mm -hmm. but you're not going to get them to really step in the line and keep doing that because they're not sold on it. Guilt only takes people so far. Yeah. It maybe lasts for a minute or an hour or a day, a short amount of time. But when you get buy-in, when you get people to feel mm -hmm. conscience or conviction, you get ownership and they make changes. So I do just want to kind of throw that out there that guilt generally is a very ineffective tool, even though we all think it works because we mm -hmm. try it. And we all experience it on a daily basis. Yeah. Some of us are better at it than others, you know, <laughs> but the reality is guilt gets compliance. It does not get buy-in. Right. So guilt really is kind of a short-term immediate tool mm. to get what you want, but it's not good long-term. Right. And I think it's probably important too, before we go further as mm. well as to delineate between between guilt and shame, like how are these yeah. different? Because some some people can be confused about, mm -hmm. well, how is guilt actually different than shame? They they use them almost um, together a lot of times or as mm -hmm. synonyms, but in reality, shame and guilt are not the same thing. Shame right. itself is more related to how a person views themselves mm -hmm. and how they feel about themselves, where guilt, actually good healthy guilt in a sense, and we'll, we'll talk more about this later in the podcast too, is uh, maybe the lack of healthy guilt in our society today, but mm -hmm. guilt is actually how you feel about something that you've done to someone else right. that maybe has created harm or you injured a situation or hurt somebody and, mm -hmm. and how you end up feeling about that. Right. And we want to make sure that, that everyone understands the difference between the two. Yep. You know, shame being how you feel about yourself, guilt being how you feel about something that you've done. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, the last episode we did on shame, mm -hmm. so you go back and listen to the last episode because we talk about how shame is really the sense that um, I'm not enough, mm -hmm. you know, or there's something wrong with me. Yeah, It's personal. It's about the being, who I am as a person. I don't make mistakes. I am a mistake. That shame is what that is. Yeah. So shame is different from guilt because guilt is not about the being. It's about the doing. So guilt would be like, I'm not doing enough or I've done something wrong. And and we all have, um, that's good 
it's good for us to clarify that. I, we all have people in our lives, Kent, who have used guilt against us. Mm-hmm. We know who these people are. And so I want to highlight. Should we just, name them? Well, <laughs> they they will be implicated on their own based on what comes next here, oh, right? So okay, right. I, I think that uh, we, we've interacted in life with people who have used guilt against us. Right. And this can be subtle. Um, it can show up in all kinds of various different ways, but I'm going to highlight it in a, in a very specific format. Mm. And so we'll see if this resonates with growth junkies out there or if they've had relationships in their life like this. So if there are people in your life who often look at you and say, hey, you know what? You really should do this. Mm, the should. Or you should have done that. Yeah. Or you, uh, you should be like this. Should is often used in very subtle ways to heap guilt on people. Yeah, Ben, don't should on me. And that's, what, that's exactly what I was just saying. So there is a phrase. This is what you say to people like that. <laughs> hey, don't should on me. <laughs> and so that's a way out, right? But right. to be aware and to know that there are people who operate with guilt. And sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. The amount of times that we use that phrase or that, that word should in the context of a phrase can really drive guilt for people. Yeah, it's a guilt word. And quite honestly, um, the, the, the one closely related to it that sounds better is ought. You know, I feel like if I say ought, it's OK. Yeah, but it really is the same or, thing. Or could. You yeah. could do this yeah. or you could have done that. It's like a softer version. But either way, those are guilt associated words. And, and here's what goes down in the mind of a person who gets should on. This is what happens. Someone comes along and and I'll give a practical example of, of this from a family situation. I have no problem talking about things that go on because this stuff's real life and it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period of time in my life. And if my mom's listening to this, mom, I love you. You know that we just have had problems at times, you mm-hmm. know, and we work these things out. But mm-hmm. the reality is uh, you learn these things in family situations, too. Sure. When I was our first child was on his way into the world, my son, uh, I was in a room putting together a crib and I was very frustrated putting this crib together. Uh, I was not having a good time. I was not looking forward to putting a baby in the crib because the nuts and bolts would not go together well. Mm. And, and I also wasn't feeling particularly good this day emotionally. I just remember this scenario. And my mom happened to call and I'm on the phone and, and she goes, well, aren't you just so excited that you're going to be having a baby that's going to sleep in this crib. And I was like, uh, honestly, on the phone, I go, not really, not at the moment. And then my mom goes, well, you should be. Oh, and I yeah. was like, but this is what happened. I'm not, I'm not sharing that story because of the conduct of my mom. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. It's of just this. an example. Yeah. It's what happened inside me when I heard the statement. Right. And this is what happened. I go, is something wrong with me? Did I do mm-hmm. something wrong that I'm not? actually excited right now that yeah. I'm putting this crib together. Yeah. Should I actually be mm-hmm. more excited than I am? Mm-hmm. And this is what it causes in the, in the mind and the heart of a person. When you approach situations like that and you use guilt inappropriately and we can all do it. Yeah. And we can all relate to that. I think that story right there, everybody has those stories, somebody in their life, you know, either it was intentional or unintentional, but sort of put this weight on you Mm -hmm. of responsibility to do or not do something. And you feel bad if you do or don't. So that sort of pressure that we put on ourselves or we get from other people, it's paralyzing. And that's what guilt does. Guilt paralyzes us. And it causes, like you said, to ask the question, what did I do wrong? 
what am I not doing here? Mm-hmm. So, and the thing about this whole idea of guilt is it's kind of this, we were talking about this before we recorded this, is this kind of this balancing act. Like there is an appropriate amount of guilt that we should all experience. On one hand, what's bad is to have no guilt. <laughs> like that's really bad. That's sociopathic is what that is. That's the person who doesn't feel bad about anything. I haven't done anything wrong. This is the one who never apologizes, mm. who never feels bad. This this is bad. Uh, and, yeah. And you so you're bringing up like this thing that I, I mentioned earlier, too, is what do you do? Because this, in some sense, feels like what our culture feels like today. This is all over. It's like people uh-huh. people don't have a good sense for when they've hurt somebody else or done something wrong. Right. And guilt is not an aspect of, there's not a lot of reflection on that. Right. We're mostly wandering around. It seems like in our society today, I'm being very careful in saying this, trying to justify our actions and not owning the times when we screw up and hurt others or really should feel guilty about something. Well, because the opposite. I just should it on everybody. You did. You should feel guilty. (laughs) But here's the thing about it. In a general sense, that's true. If you don't, you 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 blame. Now we live in a blame shifting oh. society, so we've actually like raised the next generation to believe this: mm. that you've done nothing wrong, you can't do anything wrong, and if something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault. Now this actually goes back to even Genesis, way oh. back in the beginning of the Bible. You know, so there's this fall, this great sin. You know, Adam and Eve eat the fruit and disobey God, and and there's this fallout. And what do they go about doing? Well, Adam blames God. <laughs> it's your fault. You gave me this woman. <laughs> yeah. Then he blames her. She gave me the fruit to yeah. eat. It was her fault. And you know what she does? She blames the devil. Yeah. It was the snake who did it. Everybody blames everybody, everybody else. Blames everybody blames everybody else. Yeah. Nobody does anything wrong. So that whole idea has its roots in ancient human history. It's always been there. And it's actually sort of this selfish like nature that we have that doesn't want to take responsibility. And I, I think guilt actually serves a purpose to force us to take some responsibility for pain that we've inflicted or mistakes that we have made. Yeah. So what do we do in a society, Kent, where people or just in general, like a society that has a hard time identifying that they've done anything wrong where people have a, have a hard time doing that because so much of what could be wrong mm-hmm. Right. Or so many of these injurious things or perspectives or whatever are all just viewed as right now because we live in a society that says, hey, whatever your truth is. Right. This is where we're at. Whatever your truth is, is your truth. Basically, whatever's right for you is right for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever's right for me. So who how does anybody ever get harmed? It's almost like impossible to ever bring a grievance against anyone for anything. Right. Aside from law. Right. Like law is like the only thing we have. Yeah. That, that stands in the way of it just being a free-for-all. Yeah, I mean, and part of this is the fruit of living in a pluralistic society. Yeah. We live in a world in which anything goes. As long as I don't hurt anybody, it's okay. And the question then is, well, how do you know you didn't hurt anybody? Yeah, who re- says that you hurt somebody? Well, that's the thing. It, it, it's actually what it is. It's awareness. Emotional intelligence is the ability to be self-aware and relationally aware, to understand how people experience you. Mm. And and the reality is if if you can't sense or detect 
when you have hurt somebody by doing or not doing something, then you're emotionally dense. Well, and this is how weird it gets, though, too, is because you could sense that you hurt somebody because of your own inner code and your truth if this whole thing works, right? And you would go to somebody to apologize. Hey, I really hurt you when I did this. Mm-hmm. And they could literally look at you and go, that didn't hurt me because I don't think the same way you do about that. Oh, man. Right? <laughs> you see how weird? It just how- <laughs> it gets really, really weird. But the fact is, I because you asked the question, like, right. what do yeah. we do in a world <laughs> that really doesn't practice guilt or, or views guilt always as negative, that we never feel it, it's not acceptable, you can do nothing wrong? I think it's with a reawakening and awareness that there is wrong, that we mm. do hurt other people, we do make mistakes. We do. Here it is. The word is sin. I know that's a big Uh-oh. word. People don't like that dum, word. Dum, dum. Dun, dun, dun. We <laughs> sin. And and really, like if you look at the gospel, which is mm. the good news, the whole premise is that we do. We are sinners, that we messed up. And the only way to salvation is through repentance self-awareness that I have transgressed something. I have injured somebody. I have done less than what's right. So the essence of repentance is awareness of how I've hurt somebody else or let somebody else down. Mm -hmm. So I would go so far as to say that guilt lies at the very center of our salvation, having a certain sense of guilt. Mm -hmm. Now, Having no guilt, we will never get there. Mm -hmm. On the other side, where guilt becomes paralyzing, is too much of it. Mm -hmm. It's a balance. There's an appropriate measure of guilt that I feel about what I've done wrong that leads me to make changes in my life, Mm -hmm. that forces me to grow in empathy and awareness. That's a good degree of guilt. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, there's this guilt trip as we talk about it <laughs> you're on a or guilt trip guilt complex mm. which is when guilt gets out of control and it becomes paralyzing and this is the person their problem is that they it's not that they never feel guilt it's that they always feel it mm. they feel guilty all the time and they're always berating themselves is that they can never do it right mm-hmm. i can do nothing right mm. and this is the person that has a very low self esteem a very low self-image mm-hmm. and does not do well socially and doesn't have good relationships because they're paralyzed and imprisoned to guilt. Mm-hmm. It's about either what they've done or what they haven't done, but they're fixated on it, Ben. Yeah. And so there has to be a way to find an appropriate level of guilt that motivates us to make the right kinds of changes, to go and confess when we've done something wrong, mm-hmm. to make something right when we messed up. That's good. Yeah. But to be either having no guilt and to be a sociopath or to feel too much guilt and be imprisoned is not healthy. Yeah, and I want to go back to, you mentioned the gospel here just mm-hmm. a second ago. I want to go back to that because we just came through Easter. And, you know, Easter is always a reminding for those of us who attend church and go and, in a sense, remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Like, mm-hmm. for me, as I was sitting there on Sunday, I, I, I was reminded of what put Jesus there. You know, like you said, sin, right? And the guilt that comes from sin—the fact that I, I had, I have this broken relationship with God that I cannot repair, right? Right? And and Jesus died for me. Now, I, I get there are people who don't believe that, who don't um, find any value, and actually think it was myth or a fairy tale, mm-hmm. and all these different things. However, reflecting on the reality that we do hurt and injure people, and mm-hmm. the fact that if there is a God, which we believe that there is and you sin and 
you fall short and break that and have broken that relationship, that relationship needs to be prepared mm. or be repaired, uh, not prepared. Yeah. And so the other side of this is that that reality, like you're talking about people who have a guilt complex, people are always kind of trying to repair their relationship with God and not realizing that he died for you and his grace mm-hmm. is what allows you to be made right. Right. That you can't earn it. You can't fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. That he did it for you and stood in your place. I could see how people get in a real guilt complex when they're constantly trying to figure out if they're right with God or not. Yeah, I almost feel like, to your point right there, that you know, getting right with God really solves that problem. Mm-hmm. Because with, without experiencing the grace that you talk about, the grace is like unmerited favor yeah. you know, of God, how can you not end up on the margins with guilt, either feeling none of it by kind of you know, burying it and hiding it and dismissing it, or living in it on a daily basis, there's no health. I don't think you can honestly have a healthy relationship with guilt unless you have a right relationship with God. Yeah, it's the beauty of the gospel. It really is. Yeah. So really, I think it's it's fascinating that for those that have wondered about, like, how does Christianity really relate to life and answer the biggest questions? Mm -hmm. I think the idea of grace, which sets Christianity apart from all other world religions, is the answer. It allows us to experience a healthy degree of guilt mm-hmm. that we would put into the realm of conscience and conviction that causes us on a daily basis to be willing to change, to grow in empathy, but at the same time to accept ourselves, yeah. to, to know that we're loved, to know that we're acceptable, to be okay with ourselves, not being perfect, to give ourselves grace, mm-hmm. to accept that grace. That's like the only way to live in a good relationship with guilt. I can actually look at guilt and not be afraid of it and talk about it because it, it plays an appropriate role in my life. Yeah, and, and why does why does love motivate us? And, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, and it's at the center of what we, we do with the Institute. Why does love motivate us? Why is it the, the core element that we're being transformed into becoming more loving people? Because love motivated God. Right. In the sense of why do we have grace, the unmerited favor of God? Because he loved us. Mm. And this is what a lot of people don't understand about the heart of God. Right. Is it was out of his love that he sent his son mm-hmm. to bear the, the punishment that we could not take on ourselves. Right. And so yeah. that motivates us to love because mm. you realize, like, I couldn't fix it myself. Right. And I was guilty. Right? Yeah, I mean, it kind of starts there. It's the acknowledgement, like, in a court of law, you're innocent or you're guilty. <laughs> you're not like some of both. You know, you're, it's like you either are or you aren't. So the reality is, is is sort of this assumption as human beings, are we born good mm. or are we born bad? That's a big question. It's a really big question. <laughs> it, 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 it affects everything. But if you believe that we were born, as the Bible says, born into sin or a sin nature, mm-hmm. that we're inclined to do what's wrong. Like that's our natural inclination. So guilt really is that sort of catch all that causes us to stop and ask ourselves, maybe that's not okay. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's not right. And because guilt is about our actions, mm-hmm. It puts the spotlight on the issue of sin, what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. So I feel like that being said, guilt plays a good role when it's a healthy guilt. There's a healthy guilt. Generally, that kind of guilt is experienced from inside. And it's produced by the spirit or it's right. produced by a conscience. 
not normally is healthy guilt imposed on you by somebody else. And, and I want to make one observation really quickly, because I know we've talked a lot about Jesus on this podcast pertaining to guilt and Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's because guilt itself, by and large, is very difficult to discuss without a moral structure. Right. And so if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you don't believe those things, mm. try to build a framework of healthy, healthy functioning guilt with no morality and no ethical structure. It's almost impossible to do for the reasons that I said earlier, referenced earlier, is like I could look at you and say, Kent, I need to apologize to you because I feel really guilty about what I've done to you. And you go, well, that doesn't matter because I don't really care. That, that doesn't strike me that way. Mm-hmm. How do you actually communicate with people then around things that have happened where there's been breaches in relationship or things have been done wrong if there actually is no moral structure? Right. And so we believe that, that faith in Jesus and Christianity in the Bible provides the most healthy moral structure mm-hmm. for society. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it needs to be said. So here's what we want to do with the remaining few minutes of this podcast. Yeah. We, we always want to give you growth junkies some things to work on. You know, we said a little, you know, took us kick. Heine, <laughs> Heine, now Heine kick. Took us. Now it's took us. You know, but these are things that we really can do <laughs> to sort of deal with guilt and to live in, in a healthy relationship with guilt. So there are three things we want to talk about here that you can do that are really good and, and healthy when it comes to guilt. So it doesn't become imbalanced, you know, become no guilt or too much guilt. And you said these are to help growth junkies. Yeah. Okay. I'm a growth junkie. So this is to help me. This is to help you. Yeah. And it's to help me <laughs> and it's to help anybody that really wants to I'm learn. all ears. <laughs> all right. So here we go. First one is one way to have an, a right relationship with guilt is to have good boundaries. So boundaries, we talked about this, uh, is, and I love the definition that Townsend, Dr. Townsend gives of boundaries is invisible property lines. Yeah. It's the line between you and me that it's where I end and you begin. Mm. It's where you end and I begin. Mm-hmm. And I'm allowed to create those boundaries. And we create those boundaries by saying no mm-hmm. and by having, you know, hedges in our lives where we don't do everything for everybody all the time. We know how to say no. So actually, when we learn how to say no and be okay with saying no, when we're able to create margin and balance and rhythm in our lives and sustain it yeah. by having healthy boundaries, we're less inclined to suffer from lots of guilt. Yeah. Because when you're, always saying yes, you're, you're never going to do enough. It's, it's like a really bad cycle that we get into that. If you say yes and you don't create boundaries, you're actually training other people how to treat you. Mm. They think you're going to say yes. And when you, if, should you ever say no, they're going to get more and more angry. But I've learned that as you create boundaries, people learn to respect those boundaries and they don't transgress those boundaries. And you're mm-hmm. teaching other people how to treat you and what to expect of you. Yeah, and it's important, too, because if, if there are people who should on you, mm-hmm. they have not very good boundaries. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't have boundaries, then they start to realize like right. that they can continue to do that yeah. until something tells them that they can't. Yeah, and a good boundary maker is somebody who can say, you know, I, I, I'm not going to respond to that. It's not going to work mm-hmm. because I've already set the boundary. So having a really good sense of margin in your life and the ability to set up safeguards Mm -hmm. by saying no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. You are not only training yourself, you're training other people about the way you ought to be treated. Yeah. So one way to have a good relationship with guilt is to have a good set of boundaries so that you only feel guilt when it's appropriate. Yeah. 
know what to be guilty for and what not. Exactly. Because if you have great healthy boundaries and you're feeling guilt, it might be for good reason. (laughs) Because maybe you violated one of your healthy boundaries. Maybe there's something that does need to change in your life. But if you have healthy boundaries, you're not going to be living in that on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. Okay, second thing. Second thing, and this is really important to have a good relationship with guilt is to practice what's called self-compassion, uh, self-compassion. And because the last thing about guilt, even though it might be imposed a lot by other people or outside sources, we tend to recycle it internally. Mm-hmm. We tend to shame ourselves and guilt ourselves really well. Mm-hmm. So we beat ourselves up. And so one of the things that we do really well oftentimes is we give grace to others, but we're terrible at giving grace to ourselves. Yeah. So what if it's okay to, to say, you know what, rather than feeling guilty because I'm not measuring up or I'm letting people down, I'm not doing enough, what if I was okay with myself not being perfect? Mm-hmm. What if I was okay with myself and know that God's okay with me too if I don't please everybody and yeah. I do let people down and yeah. they get upset with me? That's okay. Okay. It reminds me of a song. You know, I always got something like this, some song. Or Are you going to sing it? No, I'm not singing this All one. Right. Um, but years ago, there was this kind of collection of musicians that came together, and they went under the, the label of the Mutual Admiration Society. Mm. And it was the lead singer from Toad the Wet Sprocket, the bass player from Led Zeppelin, and a band called Nickel Creek. Mm. Not Nickelback, Nickel <laughs> Creek. Big difference. Uh, these were all like amazing musicians that came together, had, had a mutual admiration for each other's talents. And on the album, you can go look this up on Spotify, whatever, there's a song called Be Careful. And I always remember this lyric because it speaks to what you're talking about. And the lyric goes like this, be careful, be gentle with yourself because no one else will. Yeah. And I just always remember that. And it is what you're saying is, is to learn how to actually be gentle with yourself. Like yeah. we're not going to get it all right. Yeah. Um, but to also practice that kind of compassion where yeah. we can be in relationship with others, screw up, not get it all right all the time, but know that, Hey, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. It, it's a real sense that, that good enough is good enough. <laughs> not how, perfection. How good is good enough? Well, it, the, the reality is we always impose perfection on ourselves. Yeah. We, we, we tell other people, you know, you don't have to be perfect, but then we expect ourselves to be perfect. And the reality is you're not going to make every appointment. You're not going to satisfy everybody around you and their expectations. Mm-hmm. The reality is you're going to let people down. You're going to say no. You're going to frustrate people. And the goal is to be okay with it and say, yeah. you know what? It's okay. You know, I'm not going to make everybody happy. And that's all right. So be this gentle is also with yourselves, people. self-forgiveness yeah. fits into this. The ability to forgive yourself and say, you know what? I blew it and that's okay. Yeah. One thing I've learned to do that's helped me a lot is that I realized, you know what? I, I think I don't have to live in this like scary relationship with God to where I feel like he's always mad at me. I can actually say, you know what? I blew it and it's okay. He forgives me. I, I want to make it right. And it's totally all right because I'm not perfect. I've learned to embrace that. That's a good thing. And then finally, this is another big one. The third thing you can do to live in a good relationship Number with three. is to practice open confession. Mm. And what I mean by that is really it's about vulnerability. One of the greatest ways to avoid guilt is to not hide anything. Mm -hmm. The reality is to be upfront all the time about Mm -hmm. how you've blown it. For example, um, you know, it's a great success when you can talk with somebody and they ask you to come to their kid's birthday party and you're not able to go and you're not going to disappoint them to say, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. You know, and I I apologize and I realize that's a disappointment, but I can't to just go ahead and admit that and tell them up front rather than say, well, let me think about it. I'll get back to you later. (laughs) Drag it out. You know, 
it's just because you feel guilty. You start feeling guilty, which is funny, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just be mm. open with people and be honest about I can do this and I can't do that. Yeah. That works for me, or that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I don't want to string you along. I don't want to drag. I did the bottom line is I can't, and here's why. And I don't have to give you reasons. Yeah, I can just say it just doesn't work for me. Right. That was one thing I learned from Dr. Townsend. He he had this great statement. He said, whenever something you know isn't working in your schedule or isn't right for you, you just say that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain or give reasons or excuses. Right. But the point is to be really open about about how you want to live and about your commitments and yeah. your priorities. So no one's confused. And you don't have to feel guilty about anything if you're always talking about it. So if there's anything between you and somebody else, don't let it incubate. And I think this is really important for people who are super susceptible to being guilted into obligations, right? right. Feeling feeling like they're obligated to then have to do something. Right. And uh, people who tend to tread on being people pleasing, this can be hard for, for personalities like that. Yeah. There's other personalities that don't have an issue. And I think on the other side of it too is there are some people who are really self-focused and self-consumed and everything you just said about what Townsend mentioned, mm-hmm. they love that. Oh yeah. Right. They love that framework. Cause they go, you know what? It's all about me anyway. Yeah. So of course it doesn't work for me. Right. You know, so there's this right. weird balance of things right. that we have to be too honest with our personalities and how we engage the world, but, and be careful yeah. a- about it. Cause being honest is really, really important with our commitments and our time and it our really boundaries. is. And, and at the end of the day, I think most people appreciate honesty. I'd yeah. rather just be straight up with me. Sure. And so I, I view this very much in line with living with a clean conscience. We tend to view a clean conscience as always like admitting when I've done something wrong. Yeah. But in reality, it's living so forthright and direct and honest with people. Yeah. There's nothing you're hiding. There's nothing you have to think about later or you have to sit on and revisit. You're always telling them, like, for example, when it comes to commitments, I say, you know, I don't know if I can do that or not. Let me check my calendar. I'll yeah. get back to you. And then I get back to them and it's done. Yes or no? Sure. But what I don't allow it to do is to drag on right. and then to put additional you know, guilt onto it or expectation. I just say, this is what I can do. Right. And this is what I can't do. Yeah. And I think just living openly like that with a clean conscience in front of others, it not only benefits you because you don't have to worry about these things, but also trains other people. (laughs) It conditions other people to know how to respond to you. Yeah. And even to perceive you as a person they can't control or manipulate. Yeah. I, I like to joke, my wife and I talk about this, how... I feel like I'm an unmanipulatable person, you know, and that doesn't mean I can never be manipulated, but generally I feel like I've worked really hard to grow in this area to where I can let people know, like, that's not going to work on me. Yeah. And I project that by being very secure with myself and saying, this is what I can do, or that doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. and having clear, firm boundaries in my life. And by really being gracious with myself and being okay with letting people down, Mm -hmm. I've learned that that works. Those yeah. things work in my life. And so for what it's worth, growth junkies, that's just a little bit of <laughs> kicking the tuchus. <laughs> Guilt is a very challenging topic it to discuss. It is, it is. <laughs> but you know what though? We have to talk about it because if yeah. you want to be a growth junkie, this is a real issue. Yeah, this is a big one. It's a really big one. And growth yeah. junkies need to be different when it comes to this. Not play the same games, not act the same way, but yeah. to break free from these games. Right. And to not be someone who imposes guilt on others or allows others to impose guilt on you. Yeah. So the truth is, is that guilt is an emotional response that is conditioned and learned. And if that's true, 
then you can uncondition it and you can unlearn it. This goes back to brain circuitry. It goes back to neuroscience. You might be a person that has been hypersensitive to guilt, and I want to encourage you as we wrap this thing up that you don't have to always be that way. You can uncondition and unlearn those routines of guilt. You can retrain other people on how to treat you. So don't be a victim. Don't be a prisoner to guilt. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a bunch of stuff to reflect on. Yeah. My hiney is sore. Your hiney is sore. Your tuchus. <laughs> I'm trying to be really careful there so my kids can listen to this. <laughs> well, that is uh, today's episode on guilt. Thanks for tuning in. Um, there's a whole lot more we can discuss about this, but we wanted to give you kind of the nuts and bolts. Um, so join us next time once again on The Growth Junkies. We'll be sure to talk about something that will kick your tuchus, <laughs> your hiney. Uh, and ours. And ours. But uh, you can find out more about us at the Love and Transformation Institute. Uh, and we're at loveandtransformation.org. You can also find us in social media, the Growth Junkies or the Love and Transformation Institute on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, you can get in touch with us, give us ideas, give us feedback. We welcome that. Uh, we also are a nonprofit organization producing this content. And if you believe in it and want to see more of it, we would love your donations. Uh, you can support us by going to our website, loveandtransformation.org, and clicking the donate button. It's all tax deductible. So thank you for your support. Thanks for being a growth junkie. Uh, tune in next time. We'll do more of this.